Parish. It's Sunday, December 8, 2019. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camera fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and I want to take a moment to thank all of the new listeners, specifically the folks who have been nice enough to go subscribe via Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review, and leave a nice comment, because it's making a difference. We've now settled in as the most listened to college basketball podcast on Apple Podcasts regularly, and uh, this is now one of the most listened to basketball podcasts, NBA, college hoops, any kind of basketball podcast. It's one of the most listened to basketball podcasts in the world, so that's super cool, and it's obviously a, a huge testament to you guys, so thank you, and if you're listening right now, but still haven't subscribed to the CBS Sports Island College Basketball Podcast for whatever reason, please go do that when you get a moment. And while you're there, please provide a five-star rating and a nice review because it really does help grow the podcast and expose it to more people. And each Sunday, like I told you, I'm going to highlight my favorite review of the week and shout out the person who left it. In other words, if you leave a nice review, you could get shouted out like Larnell and Devin Downey. And if you subscribe... You won't have to wait for a tweet from me or Norlander to know when a new episode is available. It'll just pop right into your phone within minutes of it being uploaded. So please do that when you get a moment. I thank you in advance. Now to basketball. I want to start by discussing Ohio State because the Buckeyes beat the absolute crap out of another quality opponent this weekend. Final score, Ohio State 106, Penn State 74. So that's a 32-point win over a Penn State team that entered the game Ranked 23rd at Ken Palm. The Nittany Lions are now 26, which means as of this moment, Ohio State has three wins by at least 20 points over top 50 Ken Palm teams. And according to uh, Hoop Vision's uh, Jordan Sperber, the rest of the country, like the other 352 Division I teams combined, only have three wins by at least 20 points over top 50 Kimpom teams, which means Ohio State has already done something three times that the entire rest of the country has only also done three times. It's just incredible. So Ohio State is now number five in offensive efficiency, number two in defensive efficiency, number one at Kimpom, number two at Sagarin, number two in the CBS Sports, top 25 and one Norlander. Yeah, Listen, I think you and I both knew Ohio State would be good because they returned some key pieces and Chris Holtman is excellent. Did you think they'd be this good? They are killing people. And now again, number one at Kenpa. No, not even close to um, not even close. Maybe that's a little too thick. But um, yeah, Jordan stat. I retweeted that on Saturday. That's, <laughs> that's a really, really good one. Um, and in light of what the Buckeyes were able to do, just wipe the floor with Penn State uh, thoroughly. And, uh, you know, that was a, a secondary TV game, but I did have it on, and it was extremely impressive. And Caleb Wesson has been the star of the team to this point in the season. But, the, you know, as we mentioned on the uh, on the Friday podcast, they do have more than just him. And DJ Carton is really coming uh, – he's coming into his own. Um, I like so much of what he's been able to do. So, yeah, I mean, this is the best – remember when I said that Ohio State was the best team in the Big Ten and you said, are you going to pretend like Mark Turgeon doesn't exist? Do you remember when that happened? I, I vaguely remember that, yes. And then do you remember how Maryland uh, should have lost at home to Illinois and really had – we're not going to dedicate any time on this podcast to that game because uh, it was hideous. Maryland had no business beating Illinois. Did you happen to catch any of that game, by the way? Yeah, they were down big, 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 and I was stressed out because um, <laughs> it had have a real impact on the top 25-1. and one. But then Anthony Cowan got going down the stretch, and Maryland escapes. A win is a win is a win, Norlander. A win is a win, and I, am, I, I have been driving the Cowan bus – as you well know, and uh, on that note, I was happy to see it. But uh, but Maryland, Illinois will get their due uh, in time to come. But yeah, that just 
that reinforced my belief that right now um, Ohio State is clearly uh, the best team in the Big Ten. And, you know, according to some metrics operating as the best team in college basketball right now, uh, Ken Palm has caught up with Torvik. I mean, Ohio State was number one in Torvik before Ken Palm, and now in, in light of what happened on Saturday, uh, it's there as well. Um, Dwayne Washington, solid player. Better than I thought he'd be so far this season. Luther Muhammad also. I, they both had 14 uh, in the game on Saturday. I, I don't, I'm actually a, more of a seller on Penn State as opposed to uh, most other metrics, and I think even voters. But I'm willing to concede that, I, that I'm going to be wrong on, on the Nittley Lions. I didn't think they'd be an NCAA tournament team. I think that is going to wind up probably being the case. Uh, but I thought Ohio State would win this game easily, but not to this tune. I mean, when you're, when you're just romping teams uh, of top 25 caliber by 25-plus points regularly, um, it's, it's outstanding. And since – I'm glad you opted to start the podcast with this uh, – with Ohio State here, Paris, that you wanted to do this because – since they don't have like a clear-cut stud star, and and since Holtman, uh, he's not like he's not that like amazing quote. He hasn't been in in charge of a of a prominent program for a decade plus. They just go a little bit under the radar here. They don't have a style of play that's you know, it doesn't have a ton of sex appeal, so to speak, right now. But one hundred six seventy four is very sexy. Nine and zero is very sexy. Number one in multiple mainstream metrics is very sexy. Congrats to the Buckeyes. Uh, I look forward to uh, to you guys firmly being in the top five, potentially even the top three, when the polls refresh on Monday. You can speak for yourself, Norlander. Me personally, I would I would have intercourse with Ohio State style of play. Oh, you would. Yes. Okay. Well, you wouldn't even need a drink beforehand. I mean, I'd probably have a drink beforehand. Maybe one. Okay, <laughs> I see. You might need a little coercing. All right. I, just, I, <laughs> I mean, I'd probably have a drink. All right. I mean, I, that sounds in character for me. Sure. Um, but um, but I'm a I am a I'm physically attracted to Ohio State style of play. Did you catch this uh, fact about Ohio State? Uh, I guess it's been true now since last week. I didn't notice it when it first became true when they pounded North Carolina. But I, 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 when reading about them yesterday, I stumbled into it. So Ohio State has already beaten two top 10 teams by at least 25 points, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that's uh, only happened three times in the history of the AP poll. I think that was either flashed. That was either talked about in the game, flashed on the screen, because I, I did see that. And it seemed too few like you would have you know if you had a guess like you would assume that would happen 10 plus times uh but what i don't know and i don't know if you have it or not are the teams that have actually done it i do okay, okay so ohio state has has just become um the fourth team they did it last week became the fourth team in ap poll history to beat two top 10 teams by at least 25 points in the same season so the season's early and they've already done it um, they beat Villanova when Villanova was number 10, 76-51. They beat North Carolina last week when North Carolina was number 7, 74-59. Only three other teams in the history of college basketball have done that, beaten two top 10 teams in the same season by at least 25 points. One of them um, is uh, 1968 UCLA. Understandable. The, yeah. Another one is 2001 Duke. Hmm. And the most recent one, the third one, is 2016 Villanova. I thought, you were gonna, the, I thought you were going to trivia time me. I got a trivia time. Oh, it's coming. Don't, okay. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> okay. The, uh, the others, uh, so it's 68 UCLA, 2001 Duke, 2016 Villanova. Here's what's interesting. Each of those teams. Won the title. Went on to win the national title. Mm, that's, so every, every team that's ever done what Ohio State has already done <laughs> has gone on to win the national title for whatever that's worth. Trivia time. 
Uh, yeah, go go ahead. I'm actually trying to think of the two teams Villanova did it against. One was Oklahoma. I'm almost positive. This is the trivia time? Here's the trivia time. What two top 10 teams did Villanova beat by at least 25 points in the 2015-16 season? Oh, God, our brains just sexually <laughs> attracted to each other, I guess. Um, That's okay. You went too far. Okay. You, went far. <laughs> you took it too far. <laughs> if I was in a bar late at night with you and Ohio State-style I know. Play, I got no chance. I know. I got no I'm, chance. I'm definitely, I'm definitely hooking it with Ohio State-style of play. This is just dynamite openings to the podcast, by the way. Dead deer and attractiveness to styles of play of college basketball teams. All right. Oklahoma's one of them, correct? Correct. It's 95-51 in the final four when Oklahoma was sixth in the AP poll and a number two seed in the NCAA tournament. Okay. Um, What's interesting about this is I actually remember both of these games, and that might not mean anything to most people. I don't remember things like this. I actually remember watching both of these games. All right, so other ones in the regular season? Correct. Hmm. Um, so the the reason I remember it is because of the day it was played. Okay. Uh, would like your child? Would, did you have a child born on that day or something? No, no but it was like okay. it's a it was a day where I know we've got plans later on this night, and now I've got this wild. Um, result that I've got to deal with for the top 25 and one. <laughs> I actually remember it being on this day. Wow. Um, I'm trying to think. Okay. My my guess. What's a holiday did, where you might have plans? And it's New Year's. So did Villanova beat a top 10 Xavier team on New Year's Eve? That's correct. 95-64 on New Year's Eve Love when it. Xavier was ranked sixth hey. in the country. Hey, just, hey. For the, just for the record here, like I'm not looking at this. I'm, 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 that's straight from – the noggin right up here. I'm not. I'm not cheating. I'm not looking. I'm just. I tried to deduce what would have been the most likely uh, scenario there. Bada boom. Is that? Hold on. Last thing. I don't know if you have their their schedule up. Is that the same? I believe that's the same season that that same Villanova team got just stomp, stomp, stomped. Unless I'm wrong on the years, but didn't Creighton kill him that same season? Let like, me see. Like uh, absurdly killed him. Creighton. Did you have that? A, was not the same. year. Not the same year that Creighton killed Villanova. Really. No, they did not okay. lose. To okay, so no, I guess not because that would have been Roggy and that McDermott. That might have been the year before. Okay, anyway, continue. The year Creighton, I'm looking now. That had to be the year before then. It was a January game. That was not the year before. Creighton I'm fans always... are like, it was this one. It was, it was, it was... It was 2013-14 season, January 20th. Yep. Uh, Villanova loses at home to Creighton 96-68. McDermott senior season, right? I guess. Yeah, that's McDermott senior season. I'm surprised that those yeah, – it's weird time, man. Time's it was definitely thing. Doug McDermott senior season. And here's what's uh, wild about that 2015-16 Villanova season. So they beat – they win the national championship, obviously. They beat Oklahoma by 44 in the final four. Do you remember they lost to that same Oklahoma team in, in December by yeah. 23? In Hawaii, yes, I remember. Because it was a so, random game in a random building. It was broadcast on Fox – and that's the same Oklahoma team with Buddy Heald that went to triple overtime against Kansas on, like, January 3rd of that season. So that, that season, Villanova and Oklahoma played twice. First time, Oklahoma wins by 23. Second time, Villanova wins by 44. It's a 67-point swing Crazy. In, 80, in 80 minutes of basketball. Back to Ohio State real quick. Um, you mentioned Caleb Wesson. He's been good again this season. He's averaging 14.1 points, um, a career-high 9.3 rebounds. He's taken 3.2 three-pointers per game and making 44.8% of them. He was 4 of 6 from 3 against Penn State, finished with 28 and 10. And what's interesting with him is 
I, I don't know how much you've watched them, but he doesn't even look like the same person, or at mm. least he looks noticeably lighter, and he is. Um, read a story on him from back in September. I think Brian Bennett at The Athletic did it, and Caleb had told him, at the end of last season, he weighed 289 pounds. 289 pounds. And in September, he was down to 255. 34-pound difference. Now, I think he's put on some of that back as the season approached. Uh, approached. I, I looked at his official weight on the Ohio State website. It's listed at 270. But either way, he's at least like 20 pounds lighter than he's been. And remember, he was suspended last season for right. three games. Yeah. And Ohio State went 0-3 in those games. And though I don't know that there was ever a official explanation other than violation of you know, school policy, it was it, it, all indications are that it was a, you know, a failed substance abuse to, or a failed drug test. I mean, that, that's what it a, appeared to be. And so he goes and works out for, you know, he, he decides to test the waters because why, like, why wouldn't you? And he goes and works out with the Hawks and with the Celtics, and they both told him two things. One, um, you need to go back to school. And two, you are not going to ever play in the NBA at 290 pounds. Like, you, you, can, you can't do that at your height. Mm-hmm. It's too heavy. So what did he do? He went back to school, and he got in shape, and now he's the best player on perhaps the best team in the country. That's pretty good. Good on him. Yes, I remember when he got suspended last season because there was consternation uh, amongst Ohio State, even in terms of if it wanted to uh, protest the ruling, because if it did, he got more time, but they might need the wins in the Big Ten tournament, and Ohio State was a bubble team. They didn't know it was going to happen. Uh, you know, It all worked out relatively speaking. Ohio State got in. It was an 11 seed, and even it won a game before falling to Houston uh, in the NCAA tournament. But, yeah, no, good on, uh, good on OSU. Um, its next game comes uh, they got finals this week. So they, Ohio State doesn't play again until at Minnesota. We'll see if Ohio State can uh, can wear this um, and, and stand proud. Unlike, uh, you know, I, I hesitate to bring it up, but I do, do just want to mention, you know, gave DePaul all this love. Yeah. DePaul goes out and loses at home, at home to Buffalo. Yeah. Um, we still like you, DePaul. I don't know if Parrish is going to have you ranked Monday or not, and don't even spoil it here for the podcast. Check out the CBSSportsApper.com in the mo- in the morning on Monday, and you will find out uh, if indeed DePaul is still ranked or not. But Ohio State, you know, it's as it's undefeated nine and zero. Its next ho- uh, test will be away from home at Minnesota on Sunday, December fifteenth. In Orlando, I can tell you, you can't have their resume with a home loss to okay. Buffalo. Well, I'm, just try- I'm just trying to drive people to read your stuff. Okay. I spent the last 30 minutes or so identifying uh, replacements for DePaul in the top 25 and one. I've How got three. I think I've got it figured out. So it's uh, it's all good. But DePaul, they will have to earn their self, uh, earn, earn their way back in. So um, like you said, for Ohio State, Minnesota next Sunday, then a home game two days after that against Southeast, Southeast Missouri State. And then showdown with Kentucky. On December 21st in the CBS Sports Classic in Las Vegas, we'll both be there. So that'll be a good time, right? That'll be a great time. I'm looking forward to it. Um, who will not be there? Baylor and Arizona. They had an interesting <laughs> game, right? Baylor and Arizona did have an interesting game. Uh, Baylor wins at 63-58 on Saturday uh, down in Waco. We're going to get into that next. But first, check this out. 
Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. So number 18, Baylor beat number 12, Arizona, 63-58 on Saturday. Strange game in Waco, and the strange thing about it was that it was a Baylor home game that kind of looked and sounded like an Arizona home game. And that's because Baylor, as Norlander noted on Friday's podcast, made free tickets available to encourage fans to attend the game because school officials were worried that their fans would rather attend or just watch on television the Big 12 title game between the Baylor football team and um, Oklahoma as opposed to the basketball game between Baylor and Arizona. And because they were they were like happening at the same time. So this was a creative way to get fans in the building. And it did. It did get fans in the building, but it appeared to be mostly Arizona fans. Baylor fans still decided, you know what? We appreciate the offer. We'd still just rather watch football on television. Arizona fans snatched the tickets up. So Baylor had to more or less play a road game at home against a top 15 team with multiple future NBA players. And Baylor won anyway. So shouts to Scott Drew, shouts to Terry Teagle, of course, and shouts to you, Norlander, because this is uh, this is one you picked correctly on Friday. It is, but we both went two and three. So I had Baylor here, you know, as as a you know presumptive four point favorite. You took Zona, uh, but the only other one I won was Dayton. We both had Dayton covering three, um, and then I lost. We both had Colorado. It was nowhere close to to getting eight against Kansas. We both had Florida. Nowhere close against Butler. Um, we'll get to the Bulldogs on our next podcast. And then uh, I took Washington. You rightfully took Gonzaga. We'll get to that in a little bit here. But yeah, we both, by the way, had a two and three week. So that puts me at 10, 14, and one. And it puts, uh, no, it puts you at, it puts you at 10, 14, and one and me at 11, 13, and one, if I have that correct. Correct. Uh, okay. So um, by the way, they played the football game rightfully so. Did you see when you were watching, like they'd come back from commercial and they had the Baylor Oklahoma game on the video boards up top. Now, I don't know if that was only for during the commercials. I, you know, it's, you couldn't tell it's during game action. They're showing the actual basketball being played. Uh, but you mentioned Baylor fans preferred to watch the game on television. You could have gotten a double dip. You could have gotten in for free. And I guess presumably being able to watch uh, the game on the big screen or on your phone. The way these things work, you can watch the game on your phone and go to the basketball game, whatever. Arizona fans got into the building. They were the majority. Baylor gets the win anyway. Um, good on them. Arizona is knocked from the ranks of the un. Uh, 
beaten in doing that. And by the way, I mentioned DePaul, mentioned Arizona. Um, we are now down, just to inform the listening public here, we are now down to eight teams without a scar. Uh, you've got San Diego State, Ohio State, Liberty, Louisville, Maryland, Butler, Auburn, and can you name the eighth team? Trivia time, impromptu. Can you name me the eighth team? Here we go. Liberty, Louisville, San Diego State, Ohio State, Auburn, Maryland, Butler. Who's the eighth team? I was gonna I was gonna assume you were gonna leave Liberty out and then I would be able to yell Liberty because I happened to watch their game on uh, I had their game on earlier tonight against um, Grand Canyon. Who is the other undefeated team? Is it a top twenty five team? It's not. Hmm. Mm. Uh, Liberty was the lowest one I thought there was. Is somebody lower than Liberty? Uh, I don't know where this team is in relation in the metrics to to Liberty. Um, it might be ranked higher, but actually, if I had to guess, I would I would I would guess that it's ranked lower. It has not played a uh, a true home game this season because its arena is not available for playing. I, I should know it then, just based off of that. But I do not believe I know the answer to this question. The Dukes of Duquesne are. I your... did know that. I did know it. I saw Ken Pomeroy tweet about it, like over the weekend. He said that they might be the last undefeated team based on schedule. That is correct. Yeah, um, even though they don't have a true home game, um, they're not the most likely. But it's not uh, outlandish to think that when we get to uh, early to mid January, Duquesne might actually be the team that's still standing without uh, without a loss at that point. But we wait and see. Um, as for Baylor, Arizona. You know, low scoring. Uh, to me, my biggest takeaway. Now we did. I didn't know if you we were gonna get. You know, Nico on the floor, Nico Mannion and Josh Green. They they both wound up playing. Um, Baylor had its best defensive performance of the season, which was the biggest takeaway for me. Like, do you expect Arizona to go in and get the win? No, not necessarily. But keep it close. Ideally, yeah. And so you know, Zona takes a loss. Whatever. It's it's a totally respectable loss for Baylor, which only has one loss on its schedule by three points on a neutral uh, back in the first week of the season against Washington. Um, I thought this was a, just a strong win. Now, you know, Baylor owns uh, a random road win against Coastal Carolina. Uh, it has defeated Villanova by, uh, by almost double digits and gets the win over Arizona in advance of uh, hosting uh, Butler. So, you know, in consecutive games, Baylor's going to host undefeated teams from power conferences, and it was by far their best defensive performance of the season, I thought, opponent considering, and um, and that's a really strong thing and a good thing for, for Scott Drew's crew, who was projected by plenty to be a top three team in the Big 12 heading into the season. Um, Big 12 is really, really good yet again. Might be the best team conference in America. Um, you know, as we stand right here right now, uh, I wouldn't move off of that. To me, Baylor looks top three material in the Big 12, and, and it's a loaded league as is. To me, the most interesting thing about this game and Baylor in general right now is Tristan Clark. He got zero points in 10 minutes against Arizona, and he's doing nothing this season. I know. Absolutely. Nothing. Now, people might not, without context, know. Like you might not know who Tristan Clark is. He um, he averaged fourteen point six points and six point three rebounds last season for Baylor. Um, he only played fourteen games. He had to have season-ending knee surgery. But you know, he ended up being the second-leading scorer on the team and the leading rebounder on the team. And he was leading the nation in field goal percentage when he got hurt at seventy-three point seven percent from the field. And so then he has knee, uh, 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 season-ending knee surgery, and he's going to be healthy to start the season. And honestly, we just had a blind spot for this because looking back on it, we should have been smarter. We had him 19th in our top 101 players, clearly the highest-rated 
uh, Baylor player. And yet I went back and I was reading like some preseason stuff or like some early season stuff. And Scott Drew is on record saying like, listen, this is going to take some time. Like he's just not, I don't think, I don't think these are Scott's words exactly, but certainly the implication was he's not the same dude right now and it's going to be a while. And perhaps we should have known that a, because he missed time and B because he was coming off of, um, you know, knee surgery. So on one hand, it's like, ugh, you know, Tristan Clark is not is not a relevant basketball player right now. He's just a bit player at at at, at Baylor. On the other hand, Baylor looks awesome, and the there's the player who was supposed to be their best player is giving them nothing. So if he starts to give them something, maybe they um they take it to another level. And Jared Butler has become the guy since Tristan Clark hasn't been able to be the guy. I mean, he's hit 27 of his 57 three pointers. That's 47 percent from the from beyond the arc, uh, shooting 50 percent from two, a 90 percent uh, foul shooter, uh, a sophomore lead guard who has been terrific, and he has been their best player. Um, he's a fun one to watch. I understand if you're not a Baylor fan, if you don't watch a ton of Big 12, uh, they're not loaded with potential first-round guys the way they were six, seven, nine years ago, but uh, still plenty of talent there. And for me, it was my question was defensively, can this team uh, be what it you know it's capable of? And against Arizona, at least, considering the athletes and talent that Arizona has and how it's looked, it was just a, it was a big step forward with Arizona. You know, save them for another time. I'm actually going to be at Gonzaga, Arizona on Saturday. So when we talk Friday, I'll, I will not have anything, you know, I'll have everything to unload on Arizona. But uh, for me, the result was more uh, about Baylor and them keeping up and getting a big win. You want worst-case scenario, you get Arizona-Butler back-to-back games at home in like a five-day span. You want to split 1-1 minimally. They got the win, and now, th- you know, they wait on Butler. If they get that win there, then they'll have a serious resume, like probably, probably a top – five resume in the country if they beat Butler on Tuesday night. We'll wait and see if that's the case. But right now, things are looking good. You're going all the way to Tucson? I am. Yeah, I am going to Tucson, yes. For, what, are you, for one game, or are you doing something I, else? I am I am obviously working on a number of things, yes. Okay. Yes. Stuff you can't, you can't top secret stuff. You can't no, I'm just, I, I, have a, I got a couple of features in the works, and yes, so that's, uh, yes. And no, I, <laughs> they're well, not well, flying, well, they're not flying me out just to write a 700-word gamer on Gonzaga, Arizona. Well, tell everybody what it is you're going to be working on so the Athletic can beat you there. Yeah, no, there's no shot that's happening. <laughs> <laughs> the Athletic, I bet the Athletic's going to be there. Them dudes are everywhere. I am, I will say this. I am going, and this I this is dovetailed nicely, um, I am going to do a feature on Zeke Naji, but that was planned, like, before he became awesome. Uh, Arizona's, uh, Zeke Naji's been a 1B to Nico Mannion's 1A in terms of value on the team, so that uh, that'll be something, and I will do something on, on Nico, uh, in addition to something on on Gonzaga. All right, let's move on to a Sunday afternoon game because uh, Virginia and North Carolina got together, and predictably, it was ugly. Final score of number five, Virginia, 56, number seven, North Carolina, 47. The two top 10 teams combined to shoot just 34.7% from the field, 22.6% from three-point range. UNC was actually one of 14 from beyond the arc. Cole Anthony had the lone make. He also missed five. So now North Carolina is one in three in its past four games. Each loss, in fairness, is to a top 10 Ken Palm team. So that's not horrible. Uh, top 12 Ken Palm team. So it, it, that's not it's not embarrassing, but still, like it, it's not good. You worried about North Carolina yet? Uh, a little bit, yeah. I mean, 
first time that Roy Williams hasn't had uh, a team that he's coached been able to crack 50 in back-to-back games. That's concerning. And I saw uh, Caroline Darney of SB Nation actually tweet that it's the first time that Carolina as a program hasn't cracked 50 in back-to-back games since the 1947-48 season. Uh, certainly concerning. Now, some of that's a function of Virginia. I get all that. Um, but And Ohio State, by the way. They, they have just played in back-to-back games, North Carolina, the number one and number two teams in terms of adjusted defensive efficiency. Yeah. So they like they ran into the two best defenses in the country in back-to-back games. That's some of this, but also some of this is um, North Carolina is not good offensively right now. They're not good offensively. This is the first time, by the way, that UNC has lost at least three of its first nine games since 2010-2011. If you want to, you know, if you want to feel good, if you're a Carolina fan, they 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 rallied that season. I mean, they were they were still good nonetheless. Uh, wound up as uh, you know top. 10-12 kind of team in America and uh, wound up with a two-seed, fell to Kentucky in the Elite Eight that season. Carolina fans will remember that well. But, um, yeah, I, offensively, they're weak. We, I, this was to be expected. I mean, I, I, Virginia is still holding teams to about 43.5 points a game, and I, I, have, I have serious doubts that there is going to be a team that cracks 60 on Virginia at Virginia this season. Maybe not. someone Another team other than Vermont is going to get other, more than 50, but... Eight of eight of ten, ten Virginia opponents so far have not been able to get more than fifty this season. So it's it's a combo of having a road game, playing a good team like Virginia, uh, you know, great defense like Virginia, not having a lot of playmakers around Cole. And Cole's been Cole's been very good, but he has not been efficient, and that's the problem. And I th- still think he's a lot's working, but I still like it's not. It just doesn't seem as I don't want to say easy, but there was something last season with Kobe White that just seemed to click more. And I know it's mostly a function of having more talent experience around him. Cole doesn't have that. It was nice to see Armando Baycott recover um, from injury and, and play against Virginia because they, you know, even though they lost, they needed him uh, for the effort there. But yeah, there's obviously some pressing now. Uh, North Carolina is sitting at six and three. It's going to have a week. You know, you're going to notice a lot of teams are going to play only one game or no games this week because it's finals for so many schools. So UNC will stew on back-to-back losses in three of its past four for a full week before it hosts Wofford uh, a week from now. And actually, I think that's in Carmichael. I think that's the game they're playing in their old gym, which is kind of a cool deal. Uh, will be a cool environment. Uh, but then after that, they're gonna they're gonna have to go on the road and play at Gonzaga. So. Um, it's more concerning for Carolina. For Virginia, you're just glad to get Paris. I mean, you're glad to get the win after getting stopped by Purdue. It's nice to kind of get back and on the path. And we should have no reason to talk Virginia hoops for uh, until the new year. Stony Brook, South Carolina, Navy, and then Virginia Tech. Those are four games. Their next four games are all at JPJ. The average, you know, the average point scored for those four teams, I'm going to guess, is about 47. So sitting at eight and one, they're going to stay in the rank. The rankings are going to be in the rankings when they refresh on Monday. They're not going anywhere. But in terms of how we gauge Virginia going forward, we're not going to really ha- have a real discussion about that and analysis on it until they're in, in ACC play, and that's you know first second week of January. Uh, by the way, let's stop trusting coaches on medical diagnosis. Yeah, I mean, get Kevin Willard's like Miles Powell is paralyzed and he take it down just a notch he played he played that he played the next game and then roy williams is like uh baycott's uh, he ain't gonna be playing anytime soon and then then i see the tweets before the game they're like uh baycott's going through warm-ups i'm like what like i'm not even listening to these coaches anymore 
<laughs> why, why, why are they so wrong about normal basketball stuff? Uh, I, I don't know. But I was, I mean, shame on us. I was surprised. I, I didn't think he was playing. I was surprised to, to, to see the news that come up that he was going to, you know, do go, be a game-bound decision, give it a go in warm-ups and see if he could go. And sure enough, he's he was capable. But uh, but you're right. Um, this is This is a new affliction hitting the coaching community. They all, every time somebody twists anything, it's like he's probably out till February. And then you turn on the next game and he's like playing 27 minutes. So whatever. Um, on North Carolina, there was, I don't know if you saw this, but there was an interesting moment um, with Roy and his team. It looked like it was from shoot around, right? They, they let the cameras in to shoot around and Roy was talking to his players and he asked him, he was like, so who was our leading score last season? And somebody was like, uh, you know, Cam Johnson. I don't know. I don't know who the, who, I don't even know what it was, but he was like, somebody said Cam. And he's like, yep. And somebody was like, uh, he was like, who's next? He was like, uh, Kobe. Yeah, Kobe. Kobe was good. Um, who else? Well, Luke, Luke. Yep, Luke was good. And so they, they, they like, list right. like five names. And Roy's like, okay, now look around. None of them are here. So we have to play better defense. Thanks, coach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, he was basically like, listen, we scored last season. Uh, but the guys who scored aren't here, and you idiots aren't scoring. <laughs> so, like, we've got to really guard to have a chance to win. And um, by guard, I guess he meant we're going to have to hold somebody in the 40s because uh, we can't crack 50 for back-to-back games. So he seems to know that it wasn't just like, ah, man, we just had a rough night against Ohio State. Like, he knows. Like, they, they, they can't score right now. And um, he was talking to his team about it before and after the game. You know, his press conference, it's typical. I think Roy says this like every other year. <laughs> he says it's the most frustrated he's ever been as yeah. a basketball coach. He says it every other year at least, right? Uh, without but, a doubt, yes. But he did, say, he did say it tonight. He's like, listen, this is the most frustrated I've ever been. Like, we're not playing basketball the way I want to play basketball. And he accurately noted in his press conference, he's like, we had one assist at halftime. How's that even happen? <laughs> one, we played 20 minutes of basketball. We're trying to push pace. We can't do it. Trying to make shots. We're one of 14 from three. Trying to share the ball. We had one assist in the first half. So uh, I don't know if it's as frustrated as he's ever been, but he does um, He does seem frustrated. Uh, UNC, again, lost its top five scores from last season. Leading returning score was Garrison Brooks, who only averaged 7.9 uh, points uh, per game last season. Again, though, if you're trying to look at a positive, um, they just played the two best defensive teams in America. So that's got something to do with it. But it should also be noted, I wouldn't look this up, mm-hmm. right now, Arizona, I mean, uh, right now, uh, North Carolina is – they have an adjusted offensive efficiency rating that is in the 30s, 36th, 36th in the country. And if if they don't improve drastically, this will be the first time that they've fall, fallen outside of the top of a, top 11 since the 2013-14 season. Mm. Consistently, year after year, they've been in the top 11 in yeah. offensive efficiency. Right now, 36th. That 2013-14 team lost 10 times, so they're going to have to really um, improve pretty pretty drastically to to get back to where they usually are. And I don't know if they have the the personnel to do that. With Virginia, how about this? They just they just beat a top 10 team today with 16 made field goals. They did, dude. They did not get points on the board until Mamadi Diakite hit foul shots with like 14.30 to go in the game. I, I, I know, because when I turned it on, I swear to God, when I turned it on, it was 2 to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it was five minutes into the game. 2 nothing. 
It was like I tweeted. It was like nine to five with like nine minutes to go in the first half. It's, it's so. It, it, what are we doing? I had halftime. The sideline reporter and I, I. Her name escapes me. I, I uh, forgive me. Uh, but she's she's doing one question with Tony Bennett at halftime, and she says, "Coach, so I don't remember what they had. They had like I, I think they were in the twenties. Like they rallied 20s. late. Yeah, uh, they, yeah, they, they scored were, like six points like, in forty seconds. It was insane. Yeah." Right. So um, whatever. They had a low point total relative to normal basketball games. And she said, Coach, what do you have to do to get your offense back on track? (laughs) (laughs) That's an existential question. Tony Tony looked at her and he was like, well, because Tony's a gentleman. He would never like do you know, he would never be disrespectful or, or flippant or whatever but he said well you know this is this is what we are right now <laughs> he was like he was like we kind of are on track if you've been paying attention this, like we we are perfectly on track for what we are uh, right now so they they end up winning the game with 56 points think about beating think about ever in the history of North Carolina basketball in the shot clock era beating North Carolina by nine points when you only score 56. I mean, that, that should never, ever, ever happen. And yet it happened this afternoon. They only had 16 made field goals in each of the past two games. Virginia has 16 in each of the past two games. That's a season low. Um, and they are somehow, despite all these struggles, still eight and one with a win over North Carolina. They are eight and one with an offensive efficiency rating that ranks 126th in the country. There is not another top 69 Ken Palm team nice. with, I know, with an offensive efficiency rating that ranks outside of the top 120. And yet Virginia is number 10 at Ken Palm with an offensive efficiency rating that ranks 126th. And the next lowest offensive efficiency ranking for a currently ranked team was Washington, which lost earlier today. It was 100th um, before the Gonzaga game. So uh, you, you can you can split this a couple of different ways. On one hand, like, my God, Virginia, how good can you be with 16 field goals a game? And the answer is still pretty good. Like, still, still probably a top 15, top 20 team, even if they don't get any better offensively, which is insane. You should never be able to – you shouldn't be able to rank 126 in adjusted offensive efficiency and still beat top 10 teams and be a top 10 team, and yet Virginia probably will. And so put a bow on it. Uh, Tony Bennett has defeated uh, Roy Williams. UNC has defeated – I mean, UVA has defeated UNC five straight times in eight of the past – 11, uh, that's also a, a source of, of Roy Williams' frustration here. Virginia very much has North Carolina's number here uh, you know, in, in recent seasons. And then if you're dating back to you know, the past five or six overall, which is similar, by the way. I mean, you had the, you had the door open to segue there, but I'm going to take it. That's similar to the fact that Washington and Gonzaga, which met on Sunday night, Gonzaga has now knocked off Washington six consecutive times. Um, which is not is surprising and is not at the same time. And and Gonzaga has a seven game win streak against Pac-12 teams. I mean, you know, this is the class of all schools beyond the Rocky Mountains. It maintains that um, a strong performance by Gonzaga. He had five guys in double figures. Um, Killian Tilly was terrific. I mean, if you were able, if you're listening to the podcast and you're able to watch that game, and I hope you watched it because it was entertaining. Because Gonzaga kept cu- trying to you know shush Washington away, and they always they were just always in this like three to seven point barrier. They just could not get over the hump. But it was a really well-played, exciting game. Um, but you saw why Mark Few has just banged the drum for Killian Tilly forever. Because if he plays the way that he 
did against Washington, then yes, Gonzaga is a Final Four contender. There's no doubt, no doubt about it. He got other help there, but Tilly, to me, was the most valuable person on both ends of the floor. He had big buckets late. He had good defense overall. Uh, Gonzaga's able to get the win there uh, to maintain only having one loss uh, overall right now, and you know that's, a, that's obviously a top-ten-level team um, by nature uh, of that win, and they're now at 10-1. and one. Killian Tilly, 15 points, six assists, five rebounds, four steals. He's looking like the player he was two years ago. And if you want to circle this back, we can go back to Tristan Clark. Like maybe that's just what this is going to be because Killian Tilly came back last season, wasn't good. But now he's, you know, you got a, a year post um, surgery and now he's back to looking like the guy he was. Again, the numbers were um, across the board, box score, good stuff. But he also, as you noted, Big shot late. Just knocked down a big shot late. Bill Walton afterward called him the same thing. You called him uh, the most important, most valuable player um, on the court in this game. And, um, yeah, so and, – and Bill Walton also said Gonzaga the best uh, program in the West. And I think that's pretty clear right now. I mean, you, you could have made an argument a few years ago for Arizona – um, but but given everything that's happened at Arizona, and I'm not even trying to get into that, it's just like Gonzaga is top shelf basket, consistent winner in the sport. And uh, they were reminded people of that uh, on Sunday night. They went at 83-76 to improve um, uh, to 10-1. and one. And I love the, the post game. I don't know if you noticed this, um, but, you know, OK, final buzzer, intense game. I mean, like both teams, neither team was out of it ever. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, Washington just could never. It felt like it was a four-point game the entire game. That's, That's what right. it felt. Like. Yes. And and so after the like, intense game, in-state rivalry, usually when coaches that happens, you're going to get the blow-by handshake and like barely even look at each other. And yet Mark and Mike, they stop, mm-hmm. they hug, mm-hmm. they talk. <laughs> I just thought it was great. Like you know, coaches could learn something from that. I know that um, maybe the difference here is that those are those two guys are good guys who don't take themselves that seriously doesn't mean they're not intense competitors and want to kill each other, but they also like, they don't take themselves so seriously. We both know both of them. And I I think I I can speak for you. We both like both of them. And so for them to, I don't know, they just had a human moment after an intense game between rivals. And I thought that perhaps it shouldn't even stand out, but given how, given how, um, how infrequently that something like that happens, it, it, it was noticeable to me. Yeah, no, that was uh, that was nice to see, and uh, you know, hopefully, and I think this is the plan here. I mean, this series is not going to go away uh, as it, it it shouldn't. I mean, Washington benefits as much as Gonzaga does at this point. You know, you know, for a long time it would have been a kind of situation where Washington was not going to schedule Gonzaga, but we, you know, that we're so far past that that you know it makes complete sense. Uh, you know, there are, we talked about this a little bit on the Friday podcast when you have natural geographic rivals that that benefit both programs and just the area itself. Um, it was it was nice to see that. And I will also note Washington. I mean, it got good games out of Isaiah Stewart and Jaden McDaniels. Uh, collectively, they p- played well. I thought McDaniels had had one of his stronger games. They combined for like 36 points. Some turnovers hurt him overall. They had a few shots you'd want back near the end there, and I think Gonzaga had 12 or 13 steals overall, so that was a big factor there. But, yeah, I agree. The camaraderie was nice to see. Washington, I still think, will definitely be an NCAA tournament team. Um, this is a tough loss because you, when you get a quad one opportunity like this, you know, you don't want to have it go through your hands, but uh, it did here. So Washington's losses are to Tennessee and Gonzaga. They've played three legitimate opponents I mentioned previously earlier on this podcast. They've, they defeated Baylor, which uh, which is big. And now they have two games left in their non-league schedule. They will play Seattle on Tuesday. That's obviously a home game. 
And uh, no, I I misspoke. They also play in the Diamond Head, so they will play that uh, the days leading into Christmas. Um, so they'll have another opportunity for at least one good quality quad one, quad two level kind of win. But right now, Washington sits at uh, at seven and two. I would echo your thoughts about this series. You know, it, it did go away for a little while. Um, I believe when Lorenzo Romar was the coach at Washington, like they they stopped Washington Gonzaga fans will know this off the top of their head, but they stopped playing for a while, and and then ultimately they decided to do it, and because it sh- you've got two very good programs in the same state anytime you've got two very good basketball programs in the same state i'm all for playing that game and i i know that the argument against it from some coaches would be you got to play more of a national schedule so you can uh, you know expose your program to you know different parts of the country well like why why do you need to do that I, like i i live in mississippi you live in connecticut we both could not wait to watch gonzaga washington why because it's two good basketball programs with two, with two good basketball coaches and good basketball players all over the court. Like, that resonates everywhere. Would it have been better if, if Gonzaga was playing Alabama? You know, like, right. oh, Gonzaga, Alabama. Like, whatever, who cares? Um, nothing against Alabama. It's just like, you don't need to expose yourself to the South. or the, just, just play compelling basketball games that, that your fans care about. Ultimately, this is entertaining. Uh, it's, a, it's supposed to be entertaining. It is entertainment. So give your fans who you're asking to play, pay real money for, for um, season tickets, and they pay real money for lots of buy games. Mm-hmm. Like That's the biggest difference between college basketball and, and the NBA in terms of a schedule. You know, in, in the NBA, like, you know, half your games, you know, more or less, I know it, it, it chops up different ways, but like every other game, you're basically playing a playoff team. Whereas in, the, in college basketball, particularly in November, December, if you're a program at Washington's level or Gonzaga's level, you're going to be playing a lot of buy games that, that your, your fans pay to see. And they're total mismatches that you would never get, at least from a point spread perspective, in the NBA. So when you've got a chance to give them something they actually want and it's easy to do, then do that. And so I'm glad that Mike and Mark have uh, kept this going, and I hope they keep it going forever and ever and ever. Um, you ready for the podcast review? Hold on. I got to talk about something real quick here. One of my okay. favorite moments of the weekend. So Xavier okay. beats Cincinnati in the Crosstown shootout. They win 73-66. They get the home win. Cincinnati tries to stay in it, but Xavier's the better team. And, and so goes. Did you see? I don't know who got the video, but I saw uh, Bobby Regan of Barstool Sports uh, tweeted out who have, whomever captured the video and first published it to, uh, to social media. So think about how many – like honestly ask yourself how many coaches would have done what Travis Steele uh, did here. So they win. It's like a, I want to say it's like a four o'clock local tip, maybe a three o'clock local tip. And so, you know, you're two, two and a half hours after the game's finished. Travis still has, I believe the same blazer he had on when they won. He's got, you know, I think he's got basically the same as coaching outfit. He rolls up to this local bar, I think called Dana Gardens. I've actually, I've never, Cincinnati is one of the uh, blooming metropolises of this great country that I've never been to. So I, I, I can't identify with how far this is from campus, what it's like. I don't know. I, I want to go to Cincinnati and check out a Xavier Cincy game at some point uh, soon, but I've never been there. So anyway, it, it he rolls up with his wife and his his son, who I don't know how old his son is. I'm going to say four at the youngest, six at the oldest, judging off this video. And it's a college bar. Benning and the Jets is blaring. It's packed. The local fans, you know, plenty of them are just thrilled because X won again. They beat UC. They're on top of the world. 
And, like, it's, you know, it's the coach of Xavier. Like, they, and Travis was an assistant under Chris Mack, so they know who he is. Like, if you're a Xavier fan, you live in Cincinnati, you, uh, you, you know who Travis Steele is on site. So he just, like, casually strolls up. And at this point in the video, you're just like, okay, this is just uh, this is just a coach like checking out the local college bar. Kind of weird. He actually like talks to. I don't want to call this man a bouncer because he didn't look like physically dressed for the gig, so to speak. But he's like, he's he's, he's like, yeah, I got my my kid here, and they're like, yeah, come on in. So he goes in, and come to find out, Travis Steele's son has a wad of cash. I mean, minimum 500, maybe as much as two grand. And he just slaps it on the bar table, Travis. He says something to the effect of, like, I'm going to buy everyone in here a drink or a round on me, whatever it is. And I just thought this was a baller, kick-ass move. I really don't know how many coaches at a top 50 program, so, you know, throw in, you know, 50 to 60 names that would qualify for those that are on the fringe, would go to the local college bar with their child. (laughs) And like no judgment here. I thought this was great. Kind of just walk into that whole thing uh, and do this, and then buy drinks. Like you know what, you're, you're you know you're a legend for the weekend for winning the game. You're a legend for the rest of the season for doing that. And that's also you know clearly one of the the two or three biggest wins that he has had yet as a head coach. You know beating Cincinnati in the rivalry game at home. You feel good. So uh, I don't know if you got a chance to see the video, but I think it's just I think it's awesome. I don't know what you do as an encore to top that kind of thing. But shouts to Travis Steele, shouts to his wife, and shouts to his little boy who was given the cash, and he put that stuff down with conviction. I'm sure all the local patrons were very, very thankful for it. Well, it's a it's a, a nice uh, lesson. You give, um, let's just call it a thousand bucks. You give a thousand bucks to your to your son, and he could do a whole bunch of stuff with that. Strip club, <laughs> sure, drug purchase, okay. and instead he decides to give it to college students who who might who who could actually use it and so um yeah it's a generous it's a generous uh, uh act on the uh on behalf of of of, of the young steel boys so uh, yeah that that's a nice scene and I, I guess i don't know how many coaches would do this i mean i've never seen videos of other coaches doing Jay, this. Okay, can you picture jay wright strolling up to a college bar near villanova and do, i mean listen he'd be he'd look better than anyone doing it but hold on you know what off that and you know hold on i'm gonna i'm gonna let's just right now right now Let's go to all right, I'm bringing up the Ken Palm page. I'm going to bring up the I'm just going to go top 15. Yes or no would they do this? Can you picture them doing it, okay? Uh-huh. Top All right. Chris Holtman. No. No. I don't I, 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 Here's the thing, when you make the kind of money these guys not make that they don't, included, No, no, no. It's not that they don't have the that they wouldn't be willing to spend the money. I'm talking about like walking into like the grimy college bar like after a win like a lot of coaches and this is nothing against them because I think I'd be the exact same way. They just don't want to, like, put themselves in that kind of situation. They're like, ah, I don't need to be around the fans. You see what I'm saying? Like, I could see – like, forget top 15. I'll tell you, coaches, I could see do this. I could see Chris Beard do it. I could definitely see Chris Beard do it. I agree with I that. Could, I could see Bruce Pearl do it for, for as a publicity thing. I could see Bruce Pearl do this, yes. I could see Bill I Self could, do it. I could see Bill – Bill Self probably has done it. Um. I could see I'm going through the list now. Other guys who are just who are fun and and like I could see I could see Will Wade make a strong ass offer to a bar <laughs> okay. to an entire bar. I actually do not think Will Wade would do this. Even like <laughs> like remove like any like FBI stuff. Actually, I don't think Will Wade would do that. No, I don't think. I, by the way, we never we never discussed this. I don't think. Uh, but Will Wade at VCU hugging the fake FBI people oh, so was good. terrific. 
Oh yeah, so I good. mean that's like, like that's like a month ago. That was so good, and the photos taken of that. Yeah, no, and it, you if you're him, you just lean into it and laugh. He handled that perfectly. I, I thought it was great. Um, going through the list, still, I'm scanning. Um, not many. Yeah, I think we I think we nailed the people who would probably do something like that. Chris Mack, maybe. Did I you, could see Chris Mack. Did definitely you see that doing he uh, that he toilet papered. The football coach Scott Satterfield's house. Apparently, he did. I don't know. It was. It was. You didn't see that because he won ACC not. Coach of the Year. Because he, yeah, he won ACC Coach of the Year, and then like you know, as a, like a like a goodwill, like I don't know, playful gesture. Um, it was cool. Um, Tony Bennett definitely not. Not even close. <laughs> I can't even see Tony Bennett walking into a college bar <laughs> under any circumstances. Uh, I know. I that's uh, he might. Uh, there are a lot of least likely. Uh, it's a dead heat runaway between Mike Shashevsky and Tony Bennett for the least likely person on on this to do. I'm trying to think if there's one more at like a power Jim, conference. Jim, Be- Jim Beheim. <laughs> He's more likely than Tony Bennett and Mike Shashevsky. Tweet us if you if you think you got a coach that is likely to do this that we haven't talked about yet. Uh, I definitely want to hear it. It's just it's not that many, but you're right. I think the most likely is probably Chris Beard because he's just he's just so relaxed, so loose, and on a, like this is a testament to to Beard and what we know of him, his character. Like he would not give an f. He'd be like, I'll pay. I'll if the if the if the tab for the entire bar for the entire night is eleven grand, and I just got like the biggest one of my career, it's all on me. I don't even care. I think that he is, uh, yeah, he's one of the uh, the runaway winners. So anyway, I, um, yeah, I, I would argue that when you make the kind of money the people we're talking about make, you could like if if you really want to be calculated, it's worth a thousand dollars out of your pocket, your pocket that has millions, to get the social media buzz that you would get off of something like this. I bet you somebody somewhere could tell you that w- that thing that you're going to do is very wor- much worth $1,000 in publicity. Oh, without a doubt. You're you're absolutely right. But as I look up and down, there's just like – and again, it's nothing against the guys that wouldn't do it, but I just don't think that a lot of guys would do it. I just love that he brought his kid and his kid had the money. I thought that was, uh, I thought I, that was I, fantastic. I could see Lane Kiffin do it down in Oxford. Oh, well, we're going to – we did will. Uh, the, did you see the video of him? Oh, I saw, and someone told him to get a burner phone. <laughs> yes. So he's he's um after the press conference tonight, or yeah, I guess at some point he's um meeting with fans, you know, like they do, and he's taking pictures and holding babies. And this Miss this Ole Miss fan who is like stereotypical Ole Miss fan, he's like, "Hey, coach, we're glad to have you here." And Lane's like, "Thank you." And he's like, "Get you now, get go now, go get yourself a burner phone, all right?" <laughs> Because, of course, that's the way Hugh Freeze got busted. He was using his university phone to set up appointments with people you're not supposed to set up appointments with when you're married and a public official. All right. All right. So do you want to do – listen, I got got something that I'm going to play for you here. Now, listeners, Parrish doesn't know what I'm about to play for him, full disclosure here. But I I do think it will bring a smile to his face and also bring up a a quick talking point. But this was brought to my attention in the past uh, 48 hours or so. So do you want to read the review first? Or do you want me to play what I'm about to play, which kind of like it's related to like college basketball podcast stuff? Okay, we'll just do this. We'll knock the review out first. Okay, let's do it. Okay, so I have uh, promised that every Sunday in an, in an attempt, I'm transparent here, in an attempt to get more people to subscribe and get more people to rate and leave reviews, I said, hey, listen, I'll pick out one every week and uh, we'll read it on Sunday's podcast. We'll shout you out. You'll be right there with uh, Larnell and, and, and Terry Teagle. And um, the reviews have picked up. Now, I'm only going to do one every week because 
honestly, it, it, it would sound ridiculous me just reading nice stuff about myself <laughs> over and over again. But I am shallow enough to, to read them privately, every word, and I do. So thank you for to everybody. Like, if you've left a review, I have read it, I promise, and, and it, it certainly brought a, a smile to my uh, face. But I, I pick out one uh, to use for um, the purposes of the podcast. And this one comes from Andy Wolverine. He's from Michigan. Do you think his – okay, I was going to say, do you think his last name is actually Wolverine? So I hope so. I, I mean, really I hope it. so, too, actually. I bet, he's a, I bet he's a Michigan Wolverine fan whose last name is something other than Wolverine. But for the no. – I'm assuming. I but for the purposes so. of this podcast, he will be That's Andy Wolverine. Yeah. So here's what he writes. He writes, Parrish in Norland. I've been a huge fan of the Ion podcast for several years. I love its rich basketball content, the high-level analysis from hosts who love the game and humorous banter. Last week, while driving home from up north in Michigan, I introduced my wife to the podcast, thinking she might like the discussion about our Wolverines Battle of Atlantis championship. Not only did she love the breakdown of the tournament, but the levity and connection between you guys. At the end of the pod, after we both laughed at Parrish's story of beating the hell out of his play structure, she asked, quote, <laughs> when are these guys on again? Her newly found affinity for the show proves it resonates with rabid college basketball fans as well as the casual fan. Keep up the great work. Hashtag double tennis elbow. <laughs> That's from Andy in Birmingham, Michigan. Well, Andy, thank you to your wife. We didn't get a name in there, did we? Let's call her Betsy. Yeah. Betsy Wolverine. All right. We'll just call her. We'll call her Mrs. She'll be Mrs. Wolverine. You know, there aren't a lot of Betsy's in the world anymore. That's a name that should come back. You're worried about Gary going away forever. Betsy's an underrated name, by the way. Is um, Betsy, is is the girl in... Uh, I have no idea was, where you're going with this. Glow? Glow? I have not seen Glow. I'm, I'm about to, uh, when we wrap up this pod, I'm about to watch the final episode of season three of Stranger Things, which has been just okay. Anyway, um, that was a great review. How about this, Mrs. Wolverine? If you want to drop your own review and rating, perhaps Parrish will it's read Betty. it. It's Betty. It's Betty Gilpin. Okay. <laughs> okay. Not, Whatever, dude. <laughs> Talking anyway, about I like her. I like her. Glow. She plays Debbie. <laughs> You're like, oh, man, it's Betty. I knew it. I knew it. Okay. Um, we are loving the reviews. Please, please keep it, keep it coming. And um, on some podcast soon, I'm going to give shouts to uh, – we're getting all this data. First of all, I, I do want to say this before I get to what I want to play. Um November, I was told, was our most downloaded month ever. Not like during March, during the tournament, this past November. Most downloaded month ever. Thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone that keeps doing it. It's highly appreciated. And uh, we are, you know, we like apparently have listeners in New Zealand and all over the place. So if you're from New Zealand, why don't you drop, don't you drop a review in the bucket? Drop a review in the bucket, Parish will find you, and maybe we'll give you a call. Okay, now... I'm going to play this without preamble. I'm just going to play it for you. And then I want your reaction, and then I'll kind of explain what's about to happen here. But we're going to have some, uh, some inter-podcast uh, whatnots going on. But I, the, the, this has to do with a review of a college basketball podcast that we got injected into, and the hosts don't really know what's going on. It's actually pretty funny. Here we go. Good. Uh, Marquette fan and alum, he says we're mean to Marquette, but he understands um, other than that, he likes the podcast, though he does wish there could be some discussion on camel fighting. And admittedly, I have no idea what this is, unless it's like literally just two camels fighting, in which case I'm very much for it. 
So I apologize if I'm missing some like big pop, big pop culture thing that's going on right now. Yeah, Jim, what do you know about this? I'm pretty not woke. I know absolutely topic. nothing about camel fighting. Wow, over um, three. Yeah. I'm trying to think okay. like, would they swing their humps at each other? <laughs> yeah, here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to Google camel fighting. Just I, I, will. I, will. I, will. I will. Agree. I will. But uh, Josh's question, though, which is what we should talk about Keeps very, going. very uh, seriously here. Who would win in a two-on-two tournament between the following teams? Ion College Basketball, that is CBS, the new OSP, a.k.a. Titus and Tate, or the 3MW. So us, presumably we have a sub. Oh, I thought we get to play all three of us. That would be sweet. The answers are resounding us, by the way. So question, are we subbing or are we cutting the weakest link of us three? We we can sub. Uh, Titus obviously played college basketball, but... Guys, I, th- I think we got Tate's it. got game too. I think, right? Does he have game? Tate's pretty. I, I actually, either... I actually talked to them about this a bunch uh, in Maui. I because I didn't know if Tate had game, so I asked him. He they they both claim that he does. I also watched <laughs> Titus put on his uh, Adam Morrison jersey and just absolutely light it up on the Maui rims. <laughs> he he definitely still has a jumper. There so, uh, and he's taller than you remember. He's like six four, pushing six five. Yeah, he's a good size. Good size. So I you think. Know, I, I, I got to believe we would both murder Ion College basketball. <laughs> I will say Norlander has got good size, though, too. Good frame. You're damn right. He's good, what, 6'3", what, 6'4", six, six, also? Yeah, but I think Parrish we could exploit. That's just an easy <laughs> ISO post up, and we'll go, we'll go to work inside. Get Parrish in the post a little bit, and body him. Gary, like, much love to you, man. It's nothing personal. It's just it's business, right? We're trying to, trying to win a tournament here. Yeah, that's we'll tech mismatches. That's right. So maybe uh, maybe a future game on the, on the horizon. But anyways... Thanks for the review. Oh, there we go. So that is uh, shouts to the guys from Three Man Weave. Great stuff there. Oh, just, oh, my gosh. So first of all, uh, uh, you know, uh, back to front. Uh, they are right. Unf- I, I would, uh, f- uh, shouts to whomever left that review for Three Man Weave. Please leave us one, and we can we can address this as well on a future podcast. Um, I, I am I am 6'3", and uh, certainly can hold my own. But you're going to hold us back in a two-on-two. I know that's going to be the case. Um, I will say this. Parrish is a very good athlete, though. Like, legit. Like, I've gone to a batting cage with Parrish. No, no, no. I've gone to a batting cage with Parrish, and he has made serious cons. Like, if you've ever gone to a pitching machine and tried to hit, like, an 80-mile-per-hour ball, it's insanely hard. And I went with Parrish, and he's making contact every single time. So he is a good athlete. Basketball just is not his sport. And then just uh, the camel fighting stuff just had me uh, – yeah, you know, I, just, it was, I only listened to it once because I didn't want to run myself dry on it. It just – I was – losing it absolutely losing it that these guys did not know what was going on with that with the camel fighting reference so uh to the person that left that review uh on the three-man weed podcast those guys do a great job are are just endless thanks that was just so 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 good um i don't know who would win the tournament i do i do agree we would finish last and it would be because of me um, I appreciate you saying I am a good athlete. I think the more accurate dis- dis- way to put it would be I was a good athlete. Like I, I, you know, I was a club level soccer player and, a, you know, a start three year starter in baseball. Like I, you know, I was I was good. And um, and then I, you know, and then I wasn't and I suffered a torn ACL my junior year of high school. And I'd never been the same uh, since. But I was never good at basketball. I could shoot a little bit, but that's all, you know, like if you just like if you want to have a, a, a three-point shooting contest I could maybe not with like a real basketball player but like me and you I could maybe hold my own but um, we would definitely finish last for two reasons a because I would be the worst player of all the rosters 
And B, don't ever forget, I've got tennis elbow. I can't <laughs> shoot a basketball. We were at we were at a Grizzlies game a few weeks ago, and they've got a beer garden at FedEx Forum and a little Papa shot. And I was trying to shoot with my son. I couldn't shoot the basketball. It's extremely painful. So, like, right now, I wouldn't even be able to shoot. I'd have to play left-handed. And so, yes, we would lose. I will say this. Accurate description of Titus. Taller than you remember. Oh, yeah. I agree. Like, he's like, like, like when we bumped into Titus and Tate at uh, the Final Four party, and you know how you, uh, you know, you, you dap somebody up, and you, like, you know, you, 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 you Titus, and then you hug a little bit. What? You, you don't hug? No, you, you just, don't. You just called him tight ass. No, Titus. <laughs> That's not what you said. So uh, here's what I'm trying to tell you. My head, my head was in his chest. <laughs> my, my head was, I sort of headbutted his breast. And so taller than he, I, I remembered. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm a short person. And beyond that, I would say this about walk-ons in general, division one walk-ons. They get this label like, ah, he's a walk-on, he sucks, right? You take a division one walk-on to the like YMCA and right. they will run that place. Yeah. The Division One walk-on was still a badass high school basketball player, so uh, blindly I would I would put my money on uh, Titus and Tate, but um, I know that we would finish last. We would have no chance, and it wouldn't be your fault as much as it would be. Well, more. just in, in that grouping of three, and the three men we've guys. I mean, listen, they're they're about my height. Um, they're slender. They've they've. That looks like they know how to to use a screen and roll. There's no doubt about that. But uh, but if we're getting anyone else involved in the general college basketball podcast scene, I like our chances at the bronze. I mean, because you know you got Goodman and it's technically his NBA podcast, but it's Goodman and Bob Ryan. I mean, <laughs> Bob Ryan like is one of the best basketball writers of all time. Bob Ryan, uh, you will just go to town on in the post, Parish. Okay, I got well, Goodman. I don't, that, got, I don't know that I post him up, but I don't feel I don't feel like he could stay in front of me. There's no. There's just no shot about that. Rob Doster just has a rotating cast, so he's on his own, which is what he wants because he's the biggest ball hog I've ever met, and Jack shots up from 27 feet every time we play the media Final Four game. That's what he wants. He's got no shot. It's a one-on-two game. He's out on all that. Andy Katz, he's going to probably just haul in whatever coach he can get, but it's depending on the age. you know, Katz is in good shape. I will say this. He runs a lot of half marathons and marathons, but I've never seen Katz pull up you know, a 17-foot fadeaway, so I'm, I don't have a lot of conviction in what he's Dude, able while, to do. While we're, while, we're pl- while we're playing our tournament, while we're playing our tournament, Katz would interview eleven different players. <laughs> he would, dude. I, I he'd actually he'd be dribbling with one hand, then he'd bring up his phone, he'd Skype him in, and he'd record it in the other one. Dude, I'll like be I'll be at at the garden, and there's Andy doing interviews, and then the next day after like next night I'm at home, and I turn on, and like he's just he's like in Illinois just interviewing people, <laughs> and then the next day he's like at. He's like at Arizona State interviewing people. I'm like, how did, how does he get to all these places to interview all these people? It's why, like he works like crazy every time. It's like almost anytime somebody wins something, Andy Cass is there holding a microphone talking to him. It's wild. <laughs> It is, uh, it is wild. But anyway, thanks to the to the three men we've guys and uh, to the reviewer of that uh, podcast. You just, I just, I'm so glad we did that because Paris did not know what we were doing. I wanted to play it for him, uh, ears unseen, sight unseen, and camel fighting. That was just, oh my gosh, just too, too, too good. So thank you, and for those listening, I hope you uh, you very much enjoyed it as well. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry M.F. and Teagle. He's a legend. Shouts to Larnell. Shouts to Andy Wolverine. Please go subscribe to the Island College Basketball Podcast via Apple Podcasts 
rated favorably. Five stars with nice comments. That's all I've ever asked of you. So please do that. And then we're going to talk to you again on Wednesday. Till then, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.